0: So, welcome to Do With Let's
1: Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, really excited to be here.
0: See, I'm really excited to have you here. Really excited. You. Okay, so first of all, congratulations. Your petition la- led to the launch of India's first 24 by 7 suicide helpline.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I mean, uh, congratulations to all of us, to be very honest, because uh, yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> couldn't have done it alone. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it's all because of everyone who signed and shared and uh, people who amplified it. It's so it's, it's a victory for all of us. That's true. So can you tell us something about this health name? Yes. Uh, so this is a uh, The Kiran Mental Health Rehabilitation Helpline number that we're talking about is a 24 by 7 toll-free national helpline number, and it has been launched by the government, uh, more specifically the Ministry of uh, Social Justice and Empowerment, and uh, it is, like I said, it's 24 by 7. It is a national helpline number, so it's available in 13 different regional languages, which I think is really important. and. it, it has so the government has sort of tied up with various regional institutions across the country. So there are around 26 regional institutions that they've collaborated with, and there are 600 plus psychologists, counselors, experts on the other end of the lines so I think that way it's done it's been done in a very professional fashion and uh, uh, which is why I was very impressed with the whole structure and the whole idea behind it uh so that that's a little bit about the helpline number the number is uh one eight double zero five double nine zero zero one nine and uh yeah you can you can call it anytime from anywhere That's
0: true it was a much needed thing you
1: know yes.
0: So what inspired you to start a petition?
1: Right. So this was sort of inspired, or I would say I was sort of pushed towards doing it uh, because of a personal tragedy that I experienced uh, last year in 2019 itself. In the beginning of uh, 2019, that is January, I, I lost my younger brother to suicide. And I think uh, that's how it it began. Although at the time, I was not sure what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. I didn't even know, you know, that I would sort of end up doing all of this. But I I just sort of knew that I had to work in the field of mental health. It was my mission to sort of talk more openly about suicide and suicide prevention because, you know, before I was personally touched by it, I had no idea how grave the situation was. And I couldn't help but think that, you know, what if I knew better? What if I knew more? What if I was more aware and more informed? Maybe I could have seen the signs. Maybe I could have spotted the signs or maybe my brother would have come to me and talked to me. I would have been able to create that space for him. So, you know, all of these questions that sort of come up with um, after someone has passed away like this, there are a lot of questions, a lot of questions which obviously you have to sort of come to terms with the fact that most of them, might not ever be answered but what you can do is take that and sort of uh, try and help families help people who might still still be struggling and might still sort of have a chance um so i think that was really important for me uh that that i wanted to sort of channelize that into talking a little more openly about it and doing my bit i i didn't know what else or what anyone else could have done but from my end just doing that little bit from my side to sort of reduce the strict stigma to sort of start that conversation and yeah that's how I sort of uh, formulated this idea because after uh, my brother passed away I dove deep into research. I just kept reading about suicide, suicide prevention, what the country was lacking, where were the shortcomings, where were the gaps? Uh, And and I think that's where I came across the fact that we don't have a national helpline number. And I thought, you know, that's the most basic thing that any country can and should have. So I thought, why not let's start there? And that's where the idea sort of stemmed from. And then I got selected for the Change.org Fellowship and with them i uh, launched my petition
0: that's that's really inspiring you know i came across your story and i was really inspired i mean the way you are working you are working towards creating awareness i mean that's It,
1: it is such an important part of our overall health and Somehow it baffles me when people sort of try to draw a difference between your physical health and your mental health. And most of the time people give more importance to physical health and mental health is sometimes not even in the picture. Not sometimes, most of the times. Be it when it comes to our individual cells also, when it comes to policymakers, when it comes to government, they have all of these yojanas, they have all of these programs, abhiyans around uh, physical health, physical wellness, physical safety. But what about mental health? What about mental health safety? What about mental health literacy? So I think that way, mental health has not gotten the the attention and the urgency that it deserves when you compare it to physical health. So for me, it needs to sort of come at par with physical health for all of us. You know, and uh, it is part of your overall health. Another thing that I wanted to sort of say Uh, When it comes to mental health is that people, a lot of times people confuse mental health with mental illnesses. So that's again uh, something that people need to understand that mental health and mental illness is a very different thing. And absence of a mental illness does not mean uh, mental health. It's so much more than that. It's your overall well-being, be it emotional, social, psychological well-being, all of that sort of constitutes your mental health. It's not just the absence of a mental illness. And, you know, people who might not have a mental illness might still be struggling with their mental health and vice versa. So I think it, we need to understand that mental health is a more holistic approach when it comes to, you know, when it comes to your health and, and it constitutes all of these things. So yeah, that's what that's what mental health means to me. It's It's a very important part of my life. I've sort of dedicated my life towards just talking about and uh, spreading awareness about mental health. And I really hope people uh, start to sort of see how important it is and start to sort of take care of their cells, their mental health. And and yeah, um, that's, what, that's what it means to me.
0: <laughs> so there is the stigma around mental health, right? So what do you think as a youth, we should do to get rid of the stigma?
1: Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. There is stigma surrounding mental health. And I think the best way to sort of fight that is by breaking the silence, you know, start talking about it, start having a conversation. And by conversation, I don't mean have like a large scale conversation, and you know, uh, I mean if you can do that, amazing. But you can also start really, really small. It's okay to start small. So by small, I mean change. Like they say, change starts from within. So start with yourself. Start by questioning some of your own biases, some of your own internalized stigma surrounding mental health, right? And and trust me, we all have that. Where even when I started reading up more about it. I started, you know, advocating for it and talking about it. I realized that I myself had, I was holding so many uh, biases towards mental health and I didn't even realize it. So maybe you can first start by questioning those. Once you yourself are more informed and um, you have that knowledge, you can then sort of try to pass that knowledge on, share that knowledge, knowledge with people around you. Maybe start with your immediate circle. Start with five people in your family or five friends that you have. Start with that. And um, then you can sort of go ahead and and do take more concrete steps like, you know, maybe you could uh, volunteer. Maybe you could volunteer with NGOs who are working towards mental health at the grassroots level. Trust me, we do need a lot of volunteers. We do need a lot of people to sort of come out and help us spread the word to sort of um, support us. And uh, so maybe you can start by that, you can start by donating, if that's something that you are in a position to do. Uh, And other ways to sort of uh, train yourself, you know, um, train yourself to be either a gatekeeper or an active listener or uh, a a mental health first aider, you know, there's so many trainings that you can take, which will actually help you guide, uh, help help, they'll help guide you as to how to question someone about suicide, how to be a better listener, how to sort of talk about mental health, what to do, what not to do. So maybe take all of those courses, take those trainings, um, and yeah, maybe start support groups, maybe talk about it in your colleges, maybe talk about it in your schools, talk about it in your workplaces, um, there's so much to be done, to be very honest. Start questioning the government, you know. Uh, start a campaign if that's something. Sign petitions, petitions that f- you feel uh, need your support because trust me, uh, now I can say it with utmost confidence that petitions do work. And a lot of times people say that what se kya hoga, or, What difference does it make? Do petitions even work? Trust me, they do. Mine worked. And so have so many others. So every signature, every donation that you make, every uh petition that you share, all of that matters uh even if it might you might not see a direct impact, but over the long run, over the due course of time, you will see an impact. So you know, just don't sort of uh, te- tell yourself that i I can't do anything. Trust me you can do so much. so maybe it starts with that
0: that's true that's completely true so that actually brings me to my next question see when someone opens up to opens up to someone right but then when someone opens up they get to hear things like um, it's all in your head you don't have that yeah. much of a problem you get to hear these things and they, that makes you feel guilty about sharing
1: mm-hmm.
0: so what should one do in this case I mean if you're sharing you are expecting some kind of empathy exactly but then from the other side you get to hear that it's all in your head and um, you have
1: you have such a great
0: life such kind Mm. of thing so it really
1: really disturbs you it does i think that's where active listening comes into the picture right Uh, what i was talking about earlier we need to teach that to people and basically what active listening entails is. Uh, obviously at the baseline, it means be a better listener uh, instead of talking, giving uh, unwanted advice. You know, so many times you get these advices maybe if you pray a little more, you will feel better. Maybe if you try meditation, maybe you try this asan, that asana. Uh, we don't need your advice. If someone has come to you and uh, they are in distress, all they want is a listening ear. And sometimes that can make all the difference. So. You know, active listening sort of teaches you that that don't give unnecessary advice, don't interrupt, don't be judgmental, don't judge them, and also don't say stuff like "it's all in your head," "it doesn't matter," "you'll you'll feel better tomorrow," um, "let's do this and you'll feel better." Don't trivialize someone's pain. Don't trivialize someone's uh, lived experience because that can really, like you said, have a very adverse effect on that person that can literally shut them down. And if, for example, if they reach out to this this one friend and that friend trivializes it and says that, you know, oh, it doesn't matter, they sort of dismiss them, uh, then that person will not reach out to anyone else because that's how they'll feel. They'll, they'll sort of start blaming themselves. And I think that's the whole Uh, again that's the whole problem when it comes to mental health issues right Uh, when we compare it to physical health for example so let's say someone has diabetes or someone has cancer and they go and tell uh, a person that you know I have I have diabetes or I have cancer they don't blame them right there is no like it's your fault. You ate too many sweets. So you have diabetes or it's your fault. You, uh, you did this. That's why you have cancer. Uh, they don't do that. That would be such a mean thing to say. No one would, you know, people would literally shun that person away. If, if that person talks this way about let's say cancer or, um, some physical ailment, let's say, but then when it comes to mental health, we say these exact same things without thinking twice and somehow it's okay it's okay by society They they sort of even they sort of agree to it that yeah maybe it's, it's not a big deal and maybe it's this person they're seeking attention or it's their fault or maybe if they do this they'll feel better there's so many things involved so that's the thing right when you have a physical ailment you just have it people don't blame you for it but then when it comes to mental health there is literally like, there's a character flaw in this person. There is this flawness attached to it, that there's this character flaw in the person and it's the person's fault. And then the whole blame game starts. So I think that's something that we need to sort of remove. We need to tell people that, you know, uh, it's not a person's fault if they have a mental health issue. Anyone and everyone can have a a mental illness or a mental health issue and you know it's not that they're seeking attention it's a cry for help and it's important to not take that lightly take it seriously because if we don't then you never know we might sort of end up losing that person right and that's such a huge weight to carry so yes I think that's where we need to be better listeners we need to be better friends better family members uh better colleagues better human beings in general so yeah
0: that's true actually you know when recently there was a lot of post on instagram right Ki, i am there for you i'm there but then people started making memes about that we Ki, kind of made memes about how like mm-hmm. only the topic of mental health is going on on social media it's kind of like exhausting now i mean i personally felt that it was a time when people were getting aware this. yeah yeah
1: but then people started making memes about that so it was really i mean it's it's very funny to me to be honest you know uh people say that oh my god we're so exhausted the the internet is full of uh you know people talking about mental health That is the need of the hour, you know, it's good if you're exhausted, because that's how it should be. And if you're still not giving it that importance, if you're still not giving attention, if you're still feeling like, you know, it doesn't matter, and and people are just um, sort of posting it for the sake of posting it, uh, then, you know, you need to sort of... uh, reprioritize and recheck again your own biases you need to check yourself uh you need to have a pulse check with yourself so uh so i think um it's important to talk about it but again there are again two sides when it comes to social media i i won't say it's completely you know um amazing for your mental health because yes there are a lot of online resources available and you know there's so many online campaigns my campaign was completely online and you know uh the social media has literally been my biggest um, tool in a way, you know, for me to sort of reach out to people, to be able to help people, to be able to, you know, have these conversations like we're having right now. Uh, but at the same time, you know, people also tend to misuse social media, people are also spreading, um, you know, unverified information, false information on social media, celebrities are sharing and and spewing uh, some really horrific stuff when it comes to uh, mental health. People are sort of degrading mental health. So again, there are two sides of it, but I I really hope that people try to focus on the positive side and uh, seek help, use social media to reach out for help, to talk to someone um, because there are so many resources available and there are people out there who genuinely want to help you. So I think I hope, I, I really wish that we look at that side of it
0: that's true That's really true So this like this pandemic has been difficult for all of us like yeah. everyone but then it has been difficult for people who are facing some kind of mental health issues or mental illness right so what would be your advice to those people
1: yeah I think first and foremost like you said this has been a very very difficult time it's been literally the first crisis first real crisis that all of us especially our generation has experienced so you know the first of all I would like to just say that if you've survived this if you've come out of it alive if you're still here if you're still breathing you know I'm proud of you (laughs) give yourself a big pat on the back because you have survived it and you've come out of it stronger uh and and try not to be too hard on yourself because Right now, all of us are, we might not be in the same boat, uh, I wouldn't say we're all in the same boat, but we're in the same storm, we're facing the same storm, maybe in different boats, uh, some may be in ships, some may be in tiny boats, however it is, the, those disparities are always there, but we are facing the same storm and it's very important for all of us to know uh, that we're not alone, you know. Uh, because right now, especially during the pandemic, people have been feeling very isolated. Uh, they feel that uncertainty looming over their heads. Like you know, what next? What's going to happen next? Will things ever be okay? Um, will life ever go back to how it was? Well, maybe not. Maybe I, I don't think it'll ever go back to being how it was. But you know, we'll make we'll try to make the most out of it. It it is the new normal, and you know, we'll we'll adjust around it. Uh, so yeah so i think number one don't be too hard on yourself um no number two know that you're not alone because people are there for you people are you know struggling with the same stuff um and and if you reach out if you talk about it you will find a community which can sort of help you get through it and um yeah finally i think uh especially during the lockdown people have been really comparing uh them to other people right especially on social media because they, they look at uh, other people's highlights and their reels and they compare it to their behind the scenes, right? But that's not how it works. Um, what you see is not the entire truth. Uh, there's so much going on behind the scenes. So, you know, don't compare yourself to other people even when uh, during the lockdown, in the beginning of the lockdown, people just felt really bad and they felt really unproductive because they, because they saw people... Uh, posting stuff like, you know, oh, I'm baking, oh, I'm painting, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm being so productive, blah, blah, blah. Um, And that just sort of took a huge toll. It took a toll on me as well. Like, I just felt like, what am I even doing? I'm just stuck at home and I'm not doing anything. Uh, But don't try to do that because I think that's not right. You are doing a lot. You are getting through the day. You are, you know, surviving each day. You're waking up. You're, You're, you know, Taking a bath, you're uh, trying to, you know, do your work, do your college, do your classes, whatever it is, um, and and that's enough. That's more than enough for now. It's enough. So don't be too hard on yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. And yeah, you're not alone.
0: That's true. Also, during this pandemic, like we are left alone with our thoughts, right? So we yeah. we constantly think. We tend to overthink. So what should one do in this case? Because if i am left alone if i don't do anything i tend to overthink and then mm. i mean
1: i don't know what to do yeah i mean high five on that because i do the same thing <laughs> uh, and and i'm sure again you're not alone there's so many people out there uh, all of us in five because now we whether we like it or not we are sort of being forced to sit with our feelings nice. and we were not used to that we were always running always you we were stuck in a rut we were always sort of in a way trying to escape all of our thoughts i feel because we were just sort of uh every day we're just going out and doing this doing that never sort of sitting with our feelings sitting with our thoughts now finally people are slowing down life has sort of come to a pause um although it's it's coming back but um you know during the lockdown people were literally forced to sort of sit with their feelings and i think that's so important so in a way it's good Like you're sitting with your thoughts, you're sort of um, uh, thinking about uh, certain things. Maybe it'll help you get closure. It'll help you sort of um, deal with some of the things that you've been trying to push away or trying to ignore. So um, it's it's good. Think about it. But at the same time, don't let your thoughts uh, overpower you. And uh, that's where I think when you overthink the the thoughts, they start overpowering over you. That you feel like you're losing control. So try not to let that happen. And and what I try to do is, you know, when I when I am in in a situation where uh, my anxiety is too high. So you know, I I struggle with anxiety. And when when that sort of happens with me, I try to write my feelings down. Journaling for me really helps. So when I do write it, I'm able to sort of put everything out of my system and and put that on paper. And that really helps me. It also brings a lot of things into perspective, to be really honest. When I read it again, I'm able to sort of uh, understand where that thought process came from, why it came from, and then I'm able to question it and sort of change that, that you know maybe I'm able to sort of question that why am i thinking this way what's the reason behind it and is it is it even rational or is it just irrational overthinking so you know it it really helps to sort of clear your head so try to maybe write sometimes talking about is is difficult i find it very difficult so i can't like go to anyone and talk about how like anxious i am uh it's it's difficult for me but that's when writing really comes to my rescue so if that's something that you feel that will help, do that. If it's painting, if it's uh, something else that sort of help you with your um, thoughts, with your feelings, then you know, indulge in that. Do what sort of uh, sustains you and feeds your soul. So yeah.
0: Okay, high five on that again. Even I can't speak to anyone about my feelings. Yeah. I, and because of that, I write. I write down what I feel. And That's really such helpful. Relief. I mean, yeah. uh, when you write it down, you feel like okay. Because you can't share it with someone because you have that feeling that the other person won't understand. It exactly. happens to me. Yeah. Because I, I get scared that the other person won't understand and then I would feel more guilty about sharing.
1: Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Sometimes your thoughts are so... So personal to you as well, right? Like you don't want to talk about it to anyone. Like even it doesn't matter. So I'm really close to my mom, right? So I share everything with her. But there are some things where I'm just like, no, I don't want to bother her with this. I don't want to sort of um, burden her with this. Although I know there won't be a burdensome, it won't be bothersome for her. But uh, even for my, like on my level, I'm just like, no. Let me just sort of try to figure it out on my own. And that's where I write. That's where I sort of. try to question my own self, see if it's rational, if it's irrational. And um, even in, in that scenario, I would say uh, therapy also helps, you know, sometimes getting that professional opinion can be exactly what you need. And uh, that's where I come from because therapy really helped me understand my feelings, uh, process my trauma. There was so much trauma um, when, when, you know, uh, last year when after my brother passed away so there was so much trauma all of that was again bottling up I was not talking about it to anyone because I didn't know what to say and like you said right I didn't think people would understand and it's difficult for people to understand uh, what it feels like to to sort of uh, suffer a big loss so um, that's when a professional sort of really helps you gets you uh, gets you on that track where you're sort of Uh, They don't solve the problem for you, but they equip you well enough to sort of, for you to be able to solve those problems yourself, Uh, give you those tips and tools. And I think a lot of techniques that my therapist has given me, be it for my anxiety, be it for my panic attacks, be it for uh, the trauma, uh, I still use them uh, and I'm able to sort of uh, overcome those things, overcome those feelings. So your therapy, I would also say really helps
0: i have been to therapy myself okay but there was this one thing whenever i went to therapy i used to feel really scared i used to get panic attacks i, I don't know why it used mm-hmm. to happen but it was like i used to fear going there maybe because i'd have to talk about my feelings and it, yeah. it
1: actually it made me stop mm-hmm. and hey, i mean yeah uh, i think uh that's completely normal you know like when you um when you go for therapy, the first couple of times, and that's why I tell people therapy is not something that you know you'll see results overnight, you'll really have to sort of stick with it, and literally, the first I won't even say the first few weeks, the first few months, you might not see any result because it's all about the first few months is all about rapport building between you and the therapist and, you know, them just listening to you, you talking and it can get a little awkward for you maybe and it can get a little scary for you but once that thing is done and once you know uh, you're past that when once that rapport has been built and you know you're able to trust your therapist enough um then you sort of start seeing the changes and you see it over time you won't see it uh, within a couple of days or a couple of weeks it takes months um but you know so many people have like you know I, I told them to sort of go for therapy and they reached out and they have been do- continuing the therapy for almost more than six months now and they've seen some really uh, drastic and really positive results. So uh, de- definitely I would say therapy helps, but it it is not a, a short-term thing. It's a very long-term commitment. Um, so yeah, so I think that's uh, something that we should all sort of um, take into account. That's true.
0: I I used
1: to get panic
0: attacks like yeah panic
1: attacks are like the worst I trust me I've been there you know Uh, it it was I, I used to get anxiety and panic attacks in the middle of the night and it was because of the fact that I was struggling with my mental health so I had clinical anxiety and PTSD so it's it was all part of that it was all because of that so I wouldn't be able to sleep and insomnia it was like the worst thing that I've ever had to experience in my life and then obviously that accompanied with panic attacks, just those crying bouts and uh, flashes and nightmares. um, It gets very difficult. But again, you know, my therapist was, uh, was really awesome that way. She she gave me a lot of techniques to sort of um, manage my anxiety attacks, even in the moment when I feel like, okay, even now, I sometimes feel that an anxiety attack is creeping in um, and it's it's going to happen anytime. So I'm able to sort of use those techniques, use those tools um, to control it, to manage it. And a lot of times now I know, uh, now I'm able to sort of um, get through it um, quickly and and I'm able to sort of overcome and uh, come back to myself. Otherwise, previously it was very difficult for me to even sort of after a panic attack it would take me um, days to you know be okay again <laughs> but um, now I can better handle it I can better manage it so uh, touch wood I've seen that um, growth I've seen that change. You have to I mean you really inspire me okay I really have to say this I mean <laughs>
0: Thank you. I'm really inspired by you right now.
1: Thank you you're, you're very I'm inspired by you honestly it takes a lot of courage to openly talk about how you're feeling and a lot of people are not able to do that I think so to be able to say that out loud that you know I have struggled I have faced this and it's okay to not be okay is a is a very very brave thing to do so yeah um, really inspired by you as well. <laughs> so um, what is one thing that cheer you up when you're feeling blue like apart from writing? <laughs> <laughs> um, One thing that cheers me up uh, Cheesecake, <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, uh, chocolates and cheesecake. I mean, anything um sweet would cheer me up, uh, to be very honest. Uh, that and that's literally my go to comfort food. Um, on days when I, I feel like the walls are closing in on me and you know, I just don't feel good enough, I just sort of maybe order something or or go get a chocolate for myself and and have that. So that really boosts my mood. And it's proven that chocolate does boost your mood, does help you um with a lot of uh, things. So yeah, so I think that's my comfort food. And something that really cheers me up is another thing that really cheers me up is music. Um so I I play the guitar, I sing a little bit. So uh whenever I feel kind of blue, whenever I feel that um okay life is uh, not going the way I planned, or you know, uh, things are getting too much for me. It's too stressful. It's too toxic. Um, I just sort of try to shut all of that out and just play my music. And I think the thing about music is that it really pulls you in. It really brings you back to the present. brings It it it's like when you're playing. At least for me, when I'm playing, when I'm singing, I'm in the moment. I'm present, and uh, it just feels really good. I get that dopamine hit. I get that dopamine boost when I'm playing. So. Yeah. So these, these things sort of cheer me up and obviously talking to my mom, my mom is my biggest stress buster. Um, just talking to her constantly, like instantly it helps me. And um, I, I I do that constantly and consistently whenever I feel um, a little sad, whenever I feel, you know, uh, like I need to talk to someone, I think my mom is the first person that I reach out to.
0: Sweet.
1: I have one question, like, how do you think we should normalize taking
0: antidepressants?
1: You know, uh, definitely we can normalize it by, again, uh, showing data, showing studies that tell you that uh, antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills or, you know, all of these pills, they're not addictive i think the biggest issue that people have when it comes to uh these medicines or taking medication for your mental health is that these are addictive i will get addicted to it for the rest of my life uh but that's not the case and that's why it's very important to educate each other uh you know the first time that i went to my psychiatrist with my parents um so i i had to take medicines for my ptsd and for my anxiety right uh, and also my insomnia so the first time that we went there um My parents had, again, this notion that if I take antidepressants, if I take uh, anti-anxiety pills, um, I'll get addicted to it. And then there's no coming back. I have to be on it for the rest of my life. And that's when our doctor, and I, I really admire her, I really respect her because she really taught them basically she sat them down and she told them you know you need to know the science behind it you need to know about neurotransmitters you need to know about dopamine and serotonin and all of these levels that sort of mess up um the chemicals in your in your head and these medicines are for that to sort of regulate that those chemicals to sort of um help you with that so there's literally no reason to worry about it because you will not get addicted to it and um, that's how it works, right? Like they start with the dosage, and constantly the the main priority for doctors is that we need to get my client uh, off medicines. That's literally every every psychiatrist you meet will not tell you that uh, I love giving uh, antidepressants to my uh, to my clients to people who come to me, and everyone should have antidepressants for the rest of their life if they're struggling with depression. No, uh, unless obviously it's very severe. And also, it it varies from one illness to another. So for, let's say, if someone has bipolar disorder, they will have to be on medicines for the rest of their life because it's not curable, but it's manageable. It's not treatable, but it's manageable. So, you know, again, it differs from um, one illness to another. But now that we're talking about antidepressants, people can get uh, cured, people can get better, and they don't have to stay on medicines for the rest of their life, especially when it comes to anxiety and depression so what doctors really look out for is that we need to reduce we need to keep reducing the dosage until uh, we reach a point where they don't have to take the medicine so that's literally their their goal and uh, i think we can remove the stigma by first of all talking about the fact that how it works how these medicines works uh, how they work if we know about it we if we know the science behind it we will not Uh, have all of these uh, myths and misconceptions, right? So definitely it starts with that. And I think that's where mental health professionals come into the picture. That's where psychiatrists come into the picture, that they have to tell clients who come to them with this misconception, have to tell them that how it works, how these medicines will help you, what they do um, to the chemicals inside your brain, how they sort of uh, regulate it. Um, So telling all of that really helps. So again, knowledge sharing is really important between the doctor and uh, the client. Knowledge sharing is really important. Transparency is really important. Uh, Them sort of uh, uh, trying to answer all of their doubts is really important. And uh, trust me, once my doctor told my parents about it and literally told them how the anatomy works, how the the whole science behind it works, um, they were much more open to it and they were completely fine. They were like, okay, let's, let's go for it. Um, So, yeah, so I think that's, that's where it's really important to sort of share that knowledge and also have that transparency, let your clients know what they're having. uh, Let them know how the process is going to work, how you're going to reduce it. If it's going to be a lifelong thing, if it's going to be a short term thing. So yeah, having those discussions, having those conversations is really important.
0: You know, I've been following you on Instagram for a long time, and you have put a post celebrating that you were off your medications. Yeah. And I read it, and I was so happy. Genuinely, I I think you uploaded that picture a couple of months ago, right? Yes. And then I was so like genuinely happy when I read that. I was like, okay.
1: Yeah, uh, but I think that's what I want to say. So I. I put that post up in April, I think, or March, I think. I'm not sure, March or April. And that's when my doctor told me that, yeah, you don't need to be on medicines. You're you're doing much better. Just you know, follow these um, uh, these lifestyle changes that I've told you, and also go for therapy. So you know that'll help you. Uh, and I was obviously really happy. I put a post and everything. But that's exactly when the pandemic hit, right? And I think uh, again, it took a huge toll. Um. Uh, not just on me but on so many people and i think people would relate to it uh and and that's when around june july i suffered a relapse right i i again was struggling i was not able to sleep and i i just felt like oh my god i can't go back to uh how it used to be i can't go back there and uh that's when i had to sort of restart my medicines not from scratch but like you know a little bit um and i'm still taking those medicines again they're trying to reduce the dosage and you know, to trying to sort of um, stir me away from it. Uh, but, you know, I'm taking medicines again. I think at that time, when I did suffer relapse in June, um, I, if I'm not wrong, I felt so defeated at that point. You know, I was like, my growth doesn't matter. My entire progress doesn't matter. I'm just back to square one. That was literally my, my thought process then. But I think that's where um, someone told me, uh, it was it was my doctor only uh, and she said to me that, you know, you are not back to square one. Trust me. Uh, you're literally you might have taken two steps back and uh, that's completely normal. But trust me, you're not back to square one because whatever growth that you've had, it doesn't negate that Um, and relapse is part of recovery. People tend to and and I I think I was not alone in thinking this. so many people who suffer relapses and you will suffer relapses, you know, Uh, once you're diagnosed with a clinical condition, there are high chances that you will struggle um, with it, you might have a relapse, you might not have a relapse, but there are uh, chances and relapse is it's important to understand relapse is part of recovery process. And the fact that you are in that position right now does not mean your entire progress does not matter. It doesn't negate. It doesn't nullify any of that. And I think uh, that's what I I really loved when she said that you don't ever come back to square one. You're always, uh, always growing, even if you have some obstacles, even if you might take two steps back. So I think that's really important to realize and uh, coming to terms with the fact that, you know, it's okay um, to sometimes, uh, not be okay and to, um, you know, maybe I started my medicines again and that's okay. You know, I will get through that. I will again, you know, keep growing, keep, keep um, getting better and, and keep trying to uh, take care of myself and just accepting that, you know, it is what it is. So that's, I think that's really important. And um, yeah, and uh, that's, and that's something a lot of people ask me that, you know, I, suffered a relapse and uh, I just feel like I've been defeated by my illness but you're not defeated by your illness. Uh, You are not your illness. Um, Your illness is just a part of you. Uh, You are the whole, right? Your illness is just a part of you. So I think you have the upper hand here and it's important to realize that um, you're always growing and your progress uh, truly matters. Then there's
0: this one question, like when your mind is completely filled with negative thoughts how do you find that one ray of hope when all you see is darkness and how do you find that one ray of hope
1: yeah i think uh, that's a that's an interesting question because uh, uh, that ray of hope can come to you in any shape or form to be honest it's, it 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 might look very different for uh, different people for me uh, you know the ray of hope i would say was uh, my my parents. I think uh, for me, it was that. It, it might be very different for someone else. Um, but for me, it was not my friends, not, uh, not anyone else, just my parents and the fact that they were there for me. Uh, and when I reached out to them, they were able to understand and they were able to sort of uh, empathize and uh, just help me get better. So I think that ray of hope can look like anything or anyone. You know, um, it's just important from your end to sort of uh, don't give up on yourself just yet because things will get better. Things always get better. And uh, yeah, and I think people tend to throw around a lot of uh, toxic positivity these days where they're just like, you know, you're just fine, you'll be okay, life is beautiful, all of that. but that doesn't help. So I think uh, it's really important to understand and draw the line between positivity and toxic positivity. Uh, and and yeah, and I think uh, even in your darkest days, there try to find that one thing that sort of uh, sustains you, that you can hold on to. Um, and And maybe that one person that you can reach out to. It doesn't have to be a whole army of people. Maybe if it's just one person that you at that moment can reach out to and just talk to uh, about things um, that can make a world of a difference so yeah find i think i would just say i don't know what that ray of hope is but for everyone it might look different but find it try to find that ray of hope try to find that silver lining somewhere um it's always there trust me we just don't we just too our visions too clouded to sort of see it but um try to try to reach out try to sort of um um, talk to someone and find that ray of hope that's true you mean but it gets really difficult you
0: know to open up with someone like sometimes you're not able to gather up the courage to like speak up Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's really difficult but then again what about those people who are not comfortable with writing either
1: yeah yeah Mm. uh See for those people I mean I, I, this is now I would want to say to all of us in general right we we all know someone who is like that I'm sure be it in our friend circle it could be in a family uh, could, could be um, uh, in our office or wherever we know someone who might not be you know he might not be or she might not be able to come up to someone and talk about it they won't even know where to start where to begin and that's why they keep struggling silently and suffering silently so i think it's up to us the onus should not be on the person who's uh, who's struggling i think that's that's where we sort of uh really get it wrong we always think that kisi ko problem hogi na, they'll tell us and then we'll help them we put that onus on them that they should reach out for help like even like i was saying that reach out for help talk to yes obviously it's important for them to reach out for help uh and and that's uh that's something that's really important and you really can't read anyone's mind but at the same time if you as as a third person feel that someone in your office someone in your house or some, a friend maybe in in college is struggling if you see those tiny signs those even if at the end you find out it was fine Okay, but even if you find those tiny signs, those subtle signs, talk to them, reach out, you reach out and, and ask them, are you okay? Are you doing okay? Don't just ask, how are you? And then they reply, oh, I'm fine. And that's it. No, dig a little deeper, ask questions like, how are you really? Like, you know, I try to do that. I try to do it with my friends that I don't want to say, how are you? I would want to rather say, how are you? But really? really tell me and that really opens up uh, space for conversation so uh, don't put the onus on the person who's suffering don't put the onus on the sufferer try to put the onus on yourself to sort of reach out to someone and even check up on your your loved ones be it your friends be it your family members and I think that can make a world of a difference Um, especially for those people like you said who are not able to reach out who are not able to talk to them, just knowing that, you know, someone has reached out and someone genuinely cares can open up so many doors for them. Uh, That could literally be what you said, a ray of hope for them. Right. So uh, try to do that for someone. You never know you might save, you might even end up saving uh, lives because of just the fact that you reached out That you took that responsibility. You took the lead and um, you reached out to someone and you, try to talk to someone you lend someone in your so that's really important
0: at last i mean what are your tips to like calm down anxiety
1: um so i can maybe share like a couple of techniques that um my therapist shared with me but again it looks very different for different people uh you know th- these help me but you know they they might help you, but also their chances they might not help you. So maybe something else would work better for you. If this might work for you, but something else might work better for you. But I can maybe share some, some techniques that sort of help me. So number one, like I said, journaling. Having a journal, writing gratitude journal. Uh, that really helps you sort of uh, come to terms with your thoughts. Uh, secondly, uh, a grounding exercise for me has been really helpful. So whenever I feel like Uh, an anxiety attack is approaching, or I just feel sort of anxious, I try to, um, number one, take deep breaths. So deep breathing exercises have really helped me. Um, And secondly, try to ground myself. Uh, What I mean by that is, so my therapist told me just maybe look at five things that you can see, right? Uh, Four things that you can hear, three things that you can touch, um, two things that you can Either smell or or feel, and then one thing that you can taste. Um, so if you try to do that, so for example, five things that you can see. I can see my lamp, my book, my chair, my table. I can see you. Um, it could be that, and then here it could be my mom in the kitchen. It could be birds chirping. It could be an aeroplane sort of um, uh, passing by, uh, cars, traffic outside. It could be anything. Then um, three things that I can sort of. Um, touch uh again i can touch the table i can touch the chair uh stuff like that and then two things that i can maybe smell it could be the food it could be um or or feel so it could be the wind in my hair it could be whatever um and finally one thing that i can taste so maybe i have a glass of water and i can feel I i can taste that so these are things that sort of bring you to the present and um yeah that's what i try to do i just sort of sit and um center myself and try to bring my mind to the present and this really really helps it makes you aware of your present surroundings and stuff like that so um yeah so these are some of the tricks and these are some of the tips that um have really helped me cope
0: that's really informative actually
1: yeah yeah, but uh, again, I would like to reiterate that, you know, um, if you feel that you're, you're uh, feeling anxious more often, that you're struggling with this, and it's a constant thing, it's a continuous thing, uh, that please reach out uh, to a professional, please, um, you know, talk to someone who can give you more techniques, who can maybe understand what exactly it is you're feeling and help you with that. So, um, yeah, so that's really important. Thank you so much for joining us. I forgot to say like you
0: are a lot of, I mean, you're an inspiration to a lot of people who are going through this phase and even to those who are not going through this phase, but really you're doing an amazing job.
1: Thank you. Thank you so
0: much. So is there anything you'd like to say to our audience?
1: Uh, I mean, I've already said a lot, I think. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) at the end of the day, I just want to say that Number one, like I always say, that you're not alone. Um, And I think uh, the fact that we're having this conversation is so important because this will, you know, go on and sort of maybe become a beacon of hope for someone else, um, for someone to sort of go on. So again, kudos to you for that, for having or wanting to have these conversations. And to anyone who is listening, that uh, then just know that if you're struggling right now, if, you know, uh, you're having mental health issues or any issues for that matter, if you're struggling, it does not make you weak to come out and talk about it. Uh, you're not weak. Uh, being vulnerable does not mean being weak. In fact, um, it's a sign of strength. The fact that you have reached out, that you've talked about it, that you're vulnerable about your feelings and uh, your thoughts, uh, that shows how, how strong you are, how how brave you are. So, you know, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And um, yeah, and I think um, just just hang in there. Things will get better and uh, reach out, reach out for support. And also to people um, who, who are doing relatively better than others, <laughs> uh, try to be active listeners. Try to be there for other people who might not be doing um, as well as you are. So maybe you could be someone who can sort of try to uh, help them walk through it you know because you you have your um your systems working but someone else might be handicapped so maybe try to lend that hand and uh, help them walk through it so uh yeah so i think that's something that all of us can do thank you so much really thank you so much for being here with us